Well, hello, and welcome back to another scary, scary episode of Ghost Stories Told from the South. I am your host, Stephen LeBooth, and I got some great, great, scary, scary stuff for you today, boys and girls. Okay, man, how is everybody doing? I'm doing fine. I had a great Thanksgiving. I hope everybody else did. I got nice and fought. Couldn't quit eating Thursday. Had two places to go. And had leftovers for a couple days. So it was nice. Good weekend I had. (sighs) Then I got ready to start hammering on it and doing so. I got some research done and got some stuff to look up for next, uh, uh, next month coming up since it's December. Trying to stay on top of things, but I just want to say thank you for listening, guys. And thank you for the downloads. And y'all give me some five-star reviews. Y'all keep giving them to me. Or give me a review, whatever you want to say. I know you can do it on Spotify and some of the other platforms you listen to me on. So just uh, throw a uh, rating out there or something. And uh, we got the YouTube page going. It's going pretty good. So go check it out. So... And I'm on any platform with my podcast. So just want to say thanks, though, to everybody around the world who's listening to this. It's awesome that I'm being heard from around the stinking world, man. Well, well. So just thank you. And uh, yeah, well, I guess we'll get on with some scary stories. We're still covering schools. Today, it's uh, mostly uh, colleges, it looks like, so. That ought to be fun. Well, okay then. Let's do it. So sit back. Relax. Get a nice blankie. Cover up. Get snuggled up by the fire. Get you some cocoa or coffee. And uh, sit down. Relax. Because it's time to get the bejeejees scared out of you. Okay. Our first story is about the Ohio State University in Athens, Georgia. Ohio University is known for a lot of things. Being one of the top 10 biggest party schools or crazy Halloween parties and our top rated journalism school. But what or but what many people don't know is that the Ohio University is one of is one if not the number one most haunted university in the United States. Ohio University was established in 1804, so to only make sense, possible ghosts could be lurking about at school with such rich history. So what makes Ohio, Ohio, Ohio I can't even talk, Ohio, Univer, uh, Ohio University deserve its spooky reputation? A few years after Ohio University was established, a mental hospital called the Athens Lugnant Asylum, known as the Ridges, was built right by the Ohio University in 1874, and it was in operation until 1993. Okay. Athens was considered... An ideal place for the uh, patients. Quiet and beautiful, but over time it became very overcrowded. 
Excuse me. That seems to be the case with a lot of these insane asylums from back in the day. Excuse me. They opened, you know, in early times, you know, early 1900s. By the time, you know, they get here in the 80s, they were so overcrowded and being misused. That's just a sad story. You hear that a lot about the uh, Saints Islands. But anyway, sorry if I said that in your ear too loud. Okay, the ridges. Where was I at? Son of a buck. I hate it when I stop and talk and I lose my spot. Where was I? Okay, Athens. An ideal place. Okay, it was considered an ideal place until it became, you know, overcrowded. It started to use inhumane practices like lobotomies, and many patients died while being attended there. The Ridge is no longer a hospital, but it's now used by the university as a museum and classrooms for uh, art students. Even though it's no longer scaling, she was a, uh, oh, the, pff, here, sorry, I missed the whole spot. Uh, the Ridge is, uh, okay, sorry about that, guys, I fucked that up. It's no longer a hospital. I said that. Okay. Even though it's no longer occupied with patients, legend has it they haunt the halls. One legend states, in, in particular, the legend of Margaret Schelling. She, <coughs> she was a patient that went missing one day and, and was not found until a month later when she was discovered and out. An outline of her body and her hair stained the floor and was never able to be washed off. Legend has it you can still see these stains still to this day. So, if anybody goes to school up there, let me know about that stuff. There are two or three cemeteries at different places of the ridges. There's one cemetery that stands out in particular that... Uh, the one located at the rear corner of the ridges. It is one of the most explored by people and students. Almost all the graves have only a number engraved, no name, no date. The only ones probably identified on their headstones are ones that relatives of the patients paid for. That is fucked up. I mean, they did bury them, but they didn't give them a name or nothing. They just put a fucking number on them. Society and humanity sucks sometimes. You know what I mean? Just treat people like shit. Uh, where was I at? I got mad again and got, okay, explored by students. The only, okay. Most haunted legends arise from the circle of graves without a headstone in the middle of, of, in the middle legend. In the middle, legends say that this is where witches would, would perform seances. But Ohio University officials claim it is that it was caused by vandalism. People who have been brave enough to visit it at night have reported hearing screams and seeing strange lights. The Ridges isn't the only place that is known to be haunted on campus. The Ohio, Univer the Ohio University's very own resident hall, Wisdom Hall, 
is considered the most haunted on campus. When you look on the map, there is there is said to be five cemeteries from a pentagram with Wilson Hall located in the center. A pentagram is a five-pointed star that is a religious symbol and is either interpreted as a safe place or a place of evil. In the 1970s, in room 428, a young man mysteriously died. Every person who lived in the room after that reported to hear strange noises or seeing objects move. Similar occurrences keep happening until a young woman moved into the room and finally died after practicing an occult in her room. And that right there, man, if you don't know what you're doing, don't be doing that shit. Especially Ouija boards and seances and stuff because you never know what the frick you're going to open up and it could kill you. So let's not be doing that, guys. What do you say? The room after her death was then closed off, prohibiting anyone from living in it. It is now it is now being converted into a boiler room. However, room 428 isn't the only spooky thing about Wilson Hall. The hall is also uh, rumored to be built on top of an ancient Indian cemetery, which is a location for a major spiritual energy. Wilson isn't the only resident hall that that's rumored to be haunted. Jefferson Hall is a marbles has a marble sound where it sounds like hundreds of marbles are being dropped on the top floor of the building which is supposed to be empty. Washington Hall is rumored to have a basketball team haunt its halls and people have confessed to hearing basketballs being bounced in the hallways when no one is there. Ooh, I'm going to really have to look into that place. Washington Hall. I got to remember that. I'll really do a dive deep into that place and check out if a basketball team haunts it. That's pretty cool. I'd like to hear that story. See, you find something new on the show, man. I'm always teaching you something. Legend also says that Grayford Hall has also experienced ghostly experiences after the death of a young woman, Laura who fell from the fourth floor window, lights turn off and off and on on their own, doors slam shut and open on their own, and the Bob Marley song, Laura, will, will not play on any musical device. Even though I have named many places, I have named many places on campus, they're, they're, <laughs> These are not the only ones to be reported to be haunted. If you want more information about the place, just go to OhioStateUniversity.com. No, I don't know. But yeah, there's still more stories about it. So that might be a good dive to really dig into. If they got some, I want to do that. <coughs> one about the basketball players haunting it. That's pretty cool. Sorry, I had to get a drink. Anyways, let's take a quick commercial break, and then we'll be right back, baby. Well, how's everybody doing today? This is good old friend Uncle Dickie from Borderline Texas Trash, the most popular podcast in the world today. It's climbing up the charts faster than freaking slime on a stein, baby. Well, 
If you're wondering, what the hell is Borderline Texas Trash about? And who is its son, bitch Uncle Boo? Well, Uncle Boo is the most recognizable voice in podcasting today, baby. We're going to get funky like a monkey on some ton of greens. I'm coming in on white lightning, baby, on a silver saddle to bring you the best of Borderline Texas Trash, baby. I'm your host of the show, Uncle Boo. We go over everything. We do a little bit of politics at the end, but not much. I don't step into that bullshit a whole lot. But we have fun. I go over stupid world news of the day, talk about uh, stuff from the past, what the cost of living or stuff was like that. And we just talk about all sorts of fucking fun facts, do a little joking around. And my niece joins the show sometimes. We do a little segment called Ash Handy's Garage on Friday nights, baby. That's our live show we do sometimes. And then I got the uncle that I talked to down in uh, Boothville, Louisiana. And he calls sometimes. We have a little show called Uncle Dickie's Kona. So you guys come check out Texas Borderline, Borderline Texas Trash, baby. I know you will love it. We are on every platform you can think of. Spotify, Stitcher, Pandora, iHeart. Uh, I mean, we're on everything. We're even on Podbean, man. We even got our own YouTube channel. We even got an Instagram account, and we got our Facebook account. So go check us out, man, and come listen to the show. You'll get to listen to Ash Handy, Uncle Boo, Uncle Dicky, and all the most recognizable voices in this motherfucking podcasting world today, baby. Because we will get funky like a monkey, I guarantee it. Let's just say, baby, I've wine and dined with kings and queens, slept in dumpsters, ate pork and beans, baby. But I am your host of the show, Uncle Boo, Borderline Texas Trash. Don't forget about it. If you want to listen to a show to just get your mind off this crazy world and all the COVID and politics bullshit, <coughs> come check my show out. Come check me and my crazy family out. Some of the shit we do, we do live uh, shows from the barbecue. So I'll see you later. Bye. Well, welcome back, my fine friends. Okay, the next uh, school we're going to talk about, our university, is the University of Notre Dame. Yeah, this is supposed to be like a Catholic place, and it's haunted. I think that's what the Norman Norman Notre Dame religion is. Uh, I think they're a, it's a they're Catholics, I believe. Yes, it's Catholic heritage. Anyways. The the haunted University of Notre Dame. The University of Notre Dame was founded in November of 1842 by Raw Edward Soren and is located just to South Bend, Indiana. Soren envisioned the school as being being the greatest Catholic university in America. Today, Notre Dame is a large Catholic research university and is well known for its Catholic heritage, traditions, sports teams, and numerous ghosts and hauntings around campus. And it's also famous for Rudy. Remember that, guys? Uh, Reverend Soren passed away on Halloween on eight, uh, of 1893. But that hasn't stopped him from always keeping an eye on his university. His spirit has been spotted wandering through the main building, South Dining Hall, and uh, campus grounds. 
An apparition of an elderly priest with a long beard can be found roaming the corridors and grounds of the main building. Many administration reported the feeling of constantly being watched, despite knowing they are alone in the building. The South Dining Hall, and it is the... Uh, I fucked that up. Sorry about that. The South Dining Hall, and is easy to identify, becomes it because it is the only red brick building on campus. Workers in the dining hall have heard unexplained moans, claps, and flashes of light with, uh, with reports of floating uh, spirits and has been attributed to the ghost of Reverend Soren. I believe the South Dining Hall is haunted by another spirit because it wasn't built until 1927, 24 years after Soren's death. Just because... It wasn't there. His spirit had to ah, I can't even talk. His spirit, if it's on that campus, you know, it could go to any of the buildings, man. So, but it might be another spirit too. Columbia Hall sits between the two lakes on campus. There have been reports of Patawanami tribesmen riding horses through the hall. On some nights, the sound of galloping horses can be heard around the building. An apparition of a, of a brave and his horse is frequently spotted going up and down the front steps. It is thought that the Padawanami are in search for their burial ground that the Columbia that Columbia Hall was built on top of. God dang, that's another school built on top of cemeteries. What the hell? St. Lamb Hall is the location of the Student Health Center where stories of kind nuns who make their rounds after hours and disappear without a trace. Mystery 911, mystery 911 calls come from within the building with no evidence of who or what made the call. When campus security investigates, the calls have been uh, the calls have been the calls have even occurred during winter break when no one was in the building and are on campus. The Washington Hall or Washington Hall was witnessed or Washington Hall has witnessed the most tragedy on campus. Originally built for the music and performing arts <coughs> department as a musical hall and theater. Today it is home to several spirits that make it the most haunted building on campus. In 1886, a step uh, Stepley Jack worker on the uh, fly on the fly loft hall fell to his death. Since his death, unexplained footsteps on the roof can be can be heard on the quiet nights. And then in 1919, student professor Jim Mavinus passed away in the building. His spirit likes to entertain, entertain with a single blast from a French horn or trumpet that can be heard coming from the empty music hall. On a cold night in 1920, the legendary fighting Irish football game or football player, the George the Gipper, the Gip, George Gip, but they called him the Gipper. 
returned to Notre Dame campus, campus late after curfew and found his dorm locked. The Gipper went to Washington Hall because he knew the rear door was often left unlocked. However, this door was locked, and then the Gipper was forced to sleep outside on the front steps. By the morning, he had contracted a pneumonia and eventually died from the strep throat infection due to the lack of knowledge of antibiotics at the time. Oh, man, the Gipper. In the hospital, he told his football coach, "When the team is up against, when the team is up against it, when things are going going wrong and the brakes are beating the boys or beating the brakes off the boys, ask him to go in there with all they got and win this one, win this one for the Gipper." I don't know if you remember that fa- that movie. I've, it's a black and white movie. I remember seeing bits and pieces of of it. But he's like, let's do it for the Gipper. I don't know where I'll be then. But I'll know about it and I'll be happy. After his death, the Gipper's ghost began to be spotted in the early uh, pre-dawn mornings, sitting on the steps of Washington Hall. He wa- He has appeared throughout the theater in Green Room. People often report the feeling of a light inter interact inter in of a light flickering path that has been uh apparated by the uh that has been turned on by the gipper. It is thought that he returned to where his spirit his last night on campus to watch over the fighting Irish. In nineteen forty six, brother Gante Lardiner died while watching a movie in Washington Hall. Multiple janitors have seen an elderly Irish man, excuse me, with balding red hair grazing out a window of the first floor. Some have had the uh, Irishman ask him to open the window, but vanishes before they can help him. Violent poltergeists have been reported in Washington. Things fly off the shelves. Do or this is Washington Hall. Things fly off the shelf. Doors uh, closing. Un, uh, doors closing on their own. Music coming from the music. Music coming from the empty music hall, and people are pushed and have marks left on their bodies by visible forces. It's the Gippa. This is all like. Activity that might be caused by one of the ghosts I mentioned earlier, the Gippa, or it may be more sinister spirits making their presence known in the uh, most, excuse me, in the most haunted buildings building on the uh, haunted campus of the University of Notre Dame. That one was pretty good. I forgot about that though. That's how the Gippa died. <clears throat> he was a great running back. Everybody do it for the keeper. All right, let's take a little break and we'll be right back. You ever look up at the sky at night and look at the stars and wonder, are we the only ones really out here? Have you ever wondered how much our government hides from us? Have you ever wondered... Why so many mysteries go unsolved? What really happens? What's the clues? What's the evidence? 
Ever wonder if Bigfoot or Mothman is real? Then if so, come listen to this podcast called What's Really, really, out, really there? out There. And I am your host, Stephanie Booth. And, and I am your father. co-host, Stephen Booth, Hafaja. And if you're into UFOs, unsolved urban la- murders, unsolved mysteries, murders, mysteries uh, unexplained stuff that happened, urban legends, we're into all of that. Conspiracy stuff, too. We go dive into that. So if you're looking for a new podcast that tells that kind of stuff, then you uh, need to listen to what's, what's really, really out, out there. there. And we are on Spotify and iHeart and Pandora, I think. But we are pretty much on every platform. Mm-hmm. We have a YouTube channel, too, or channel. So go check that out. It's called What's Really Out There. So come check us out. Once again, I'm your co-host, Stephen Booth. And I'm your host, Stephanie Booth. And this is What's What's Really Really Out There. We'll see you at the next episode, guys. Okay. Let's get ready for our next story. Our next story is Kenyon College. And this is in Gramber, Ohio. Or, yeah, Gamber, Ohio. Wait a minute. That's not it. I almost started reading the wrong story. Well, son of a gun, did I miss it? Well... I guess I won't be doing that story because I cannot find it. Don't know what I did with it. But anyways, we are going to do the University of Illinois. Okay. Everybody ready? Everybody who's ever heard of Illinois State or has been been here knows of Waterson Towers because it is the building you can see for miles. What I've noticed it I what I've noticed it no I just don't make any fucking sense. Okay. What I've noticed it nobody truly knows the uh, ex- exact history behind the building. As a freshman I have heard many rumors involving the architect and the architectural of the building. I have been that of an architect res- responsible for a Watterson's design, mostly designed design prisons, so he could decide to model it to look prison-like. Then I heard that the architect of uh, Watterson was mentally unstable, which is why the building is designed very, very prison-like. Oh, wait, that's why the building, oh, sorry. The building is can is canceled. The architect committed suicide by plunging to his death off the top of the uh, building. Because most rumors are never true and only create created by people in uh, in a pathetic attempt to add interest to their lives. <coughs> I decided to research the history of Waterson Towers. <coughs> From the picture that I found in the Milliner Library's archives, 
I know that the know that the construction of Watterson ended in the summer of 1969. Yet the dormitory opened in 1968. That's weird. It was named after a popular professor named Arthur W. Watterson. There are even rumors online claiming that Gary Kaikax, famously known as the creator of the uh, Dungeons and Dragons game, was the designer of Watterson. In my opinion, this would explain a lot as to why Watterson is set up the way it is. Whenever I, whenever I walk through the building, I sometimes feel like I'm in a video game. The long corridors with bright fluorescent lights and the millions of uh, vents in the uh, ceiling that creaked and made all sorts of no odd noises aid to the effect. Not to mention the elevators, the elevators only stops on every third floor, so you can only end up having to walk up and down the uh, creepy and disgusting staircase to get to the floor you want. Although it would be fun to believe that Gary Gay Gaycox or Gayox, I don't know. Sorry if I'm butchering it. Actually, did design the building with. Uh, inspiration from his beloved video game there are actual facts that disprove this rumor multi-sources online have confirmed that fredston and finch architects a firm from chicago actually designed the building through my digging i could not find the name of the name or names of the exact architects who drew up the design I guess no one will ever know for sure what impression to uh, what. No one knows for sure what the inspiration to create Watterson Towers was. Interestingly, if you went around asking every resident of Watterson Towers whether or not they believed the building is haunted in some way, chances are they would get that you would get a fairly alarming amount stating that it is. In fact, my roommates and I would be within the uh, portion of residents who claims its place and is somewhat haunted. I cannot even count the amount of times I'll be sitting in our room doing homework or studying, studying and I will hear some awful noise coming from the vent or the ceiling. Once it once it even sounded like some mythical creature that was being murdered within our walls. The main reason we are uh, convinced at least our floor is haunted, it has become, it is because of an incident that happened. Tuesday night, I woke up Wednesday morning to see my roommate sitting in her chair next to me, wide awake, looking frazzled, uh, frazzled. Like she had just slept for, she hasn't slept for days. When I asked her what was wrong, she told me that she did not sleep at all that night because our room is haunted. Being a non-believer that I am, I rolled my eyes and thought she was crazy until she actually told me what happened. She claimed that once. She claimed that once every hour she could hear that sound 
hear what sounded like someone scratching on her door, wiggling the doorknob and then ripping our door open. After that, whoever it was rustled vigorously through my desk drawers. And at one point, she even heard our uh, posters being torn down and she never once heard our door even close. She literally thought someone was in our room. But when she went to tell this person to get out, the door was closed and no one was in the room. That would be some freaky shit. After she, uh, after the first couple of times, she finally got out of bed, opened her door and looked in the hall to see if anyone was awake. But there were no, but there were no signs of activity anywhere. When she finished telling me the details of her night, the expression on her face was one of pure terror. Now, let me tell you, my roommate is what one would call a total hard ass, which means she does not get scared, get scared very easily. Not to mention, when I looked over to our wall, I saw some posters that had been torn down. Because of this, my heart sunk sunk a little, and the non-believer became a basic became basically terrified. The spiritual world is definitely one of the most subjective concepts out there. So, of course, there is no uh, factual. Excuse me, that was so rude. No factual information providing are disapproving whether Watterson is haunted or not. There are, however, actual documented suicides that have been that have happened in Watterson, which means it is possibly possible for those who for those who believe to think that the Watterson House spirits have yet to find pe- find peace and that find peace and they are going to haunt the halls of Watterson forever. However, after doing research, I found a name. I found that a woman right above its time, right about its time last year, climbed the scaffolding up to the side of the Warnerson and committed suicide. Landing a few, landing on Phil Avenue, the story is sent. That story sent a chill down my, down both of my, me and my roommates back. Sent, uh, about that time, okay, down our back. God damn, I keep losing my place. Sorry, I didn't mean to say the GD, man. Committed sewer, okay. I'm still not quite sure that, I'm still not quite sure what to think. But is it, but it is quite constant that all these facts are falling into place. To collaborate to the incident that me, that meant, that my roommate experienced the other night. Okay. Well, I'm sorry, guys. I effed that up. Hmm. That wasn't the University of Illinois. That was a tower on Kenyon uh, College. Yeah. So, you know what? That's all right. I got one more story to talk, one more school to do, and this is uh, Drew University.
spiritual beings at Drew University seem to consist of a woman. Okay. We'll start over again. Spiritual beings at Drew at Drew University seem to consist of a woman. Let's start with the university's founder's wife, Roxanne Midrew. She seems to still have the administration of the building named after her. <coughs> her presence can be felt in the mid hall in the mid hall by security staff and maintenance workers from the footsteps on the uh, staircase to closing doors. When a fire broke out in eighteen in 1989, firefighters tried to save a woman trapped inside the building. They noticed that she was uh, wearing clothing from an earlier 19th century. She was caught in the middle of the fire, but it, but it did not seem to bother her the slightest. The firefighters said she looked at them in the eyes and then vanished in the thin air. Wow. Okay, now this is a uh, hall on the campus. Asbury Residential Hall hosts the ghost of a former domer who who hung herself from the rafters of the building while a dark-haired woman dark-haired woman roams the uh, corridors of the uh, Hoyt Brown Hall. Well, that's another hall they're talking about. And peeks through the windows to watch people, residents of Hoyt Brown, also report random things disappearing from their rooms. And the Greg, the Greg Chapel holds a midnight concert once in a while. Those living on campus sometimes hear, sometimes hear someone playing the organ. However, the uh, identity of the player remains unknown a rather annoying ghost that named reggie domin uh roams the kirby shakespeare theater on campus he destroys the student props and describes their perform and disrupts their performances he even set on the uh, performer's costume. He even set the the performer's costumes on fire one time. That's a pissed off ghost. I don't think I'd want to go there. <clears throat> well, sorry. that one's, This one's kind of short, guys. But we're going to get her going good for December. And it'll be fun. And I hope I didn't scare you too much tonight with my skelly skelly stories. But just want to say thank you guys for listening. Thank you guys for always. Thank you to the ones that constantly listen all the time. And y'all can give me feedback on Facebook. Look on Ghost Stories Told from the South. Slide on my DMs. Let me know if there's any stories out there y'all want me to talk about. And I'll talk about them, all right? So, yeah, just slide in my DMs. Talk to me. Give me some five-star review, guys. Uh, keep downloading. Keep getting my membership up, guys. It's looking good. Uh, it's awesome. I'm being heard all around the world, and it's cool. But hope it didn't scare you too much tonight. But this has been Ghost Stories Told from the South. 
I am your host, Stephen LeBooth, and I hope you've had a good time. <laughs> we'll see you guys later, man. See you next week, and it'll be a new month. Bye.